0: Welcome to Box Out Banter, we're back after a short hiatus during the actual championship rounds of the NBA. Uh, Just very timing out. on our part. Yes, but you know, things happen, life happens, but uh, you know, we're back into the swing of things. Uh Chris Okamora, joined Jordan Christmas. How's it going, Jordan? How you been for the last like three weeks? <laughs> of, uh, of up and doing down some basketball? up and
1: down. Um I already mentioned it on my podcast before this disclosure. Our our family bulldog unexpectedly passed away when I got back from vacation. I think on yeah, July apologies. it was July eleventh. Um, so yeah, it was on a Sunday and so I wasn't in the right headspace at all to do a podcast. And then um but, uh, I feel a lot better now. She's in a better place. Uh, love that dog. It, you know, once you get a pet and all that stuff, obviously it becomes a member of the family and bulldog temperaments are just, they're the sweetest dogs. So just the way she went out, I won't go into details or anything, but the way she went out, just, it broke my heart. Um, obviously. Um, but, uh, I'm good. I'm ready to go. Uh, I know you had a, uh, the next Monday, you uh had a disney had a disneyland trip with your family as i understand I it. I did. yeah, the funny thing
0: was like Jordan went on vacation, then you know we had the unfortunate thing and then i went on vacation yep. so it's just a really bad timing right in the middle of the nba finals for us to be able to not record.
1: Yep, yep. And um, uh, but uh we're back now and uh yeah, i went to seattle um I went to Seattle for five days on July 1st and that we didn't do it that Monday. And then unfortunately, yeah. what happened, happened the next, the next week. And then, uh, yeah, you, you were uh, enjoying, uh, you were enjoying what the Lakers did, which was, you know, when their Mickey Mouse ring. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, yeah, it, uh, We're back now we and uh, we have a new NBA champion.
0: We do. And we are completely wrong.
1: Yeah, completely. Well, I want to know, because i'm a christmas at point, and at what point did i switch well no i'm gonna i was gonna say we're gonna find out because i'm a, I'm a christmas and if there's one thing christmases like to do is they like to argue and even when they agree on stuff they like to argue about who was more wrong so <laughs> i want to find i want to find out as we talk about this like how wrong we were but uh I do actually want to start off with that. So at what point did you feel – well, first of all, I want to know your feelings on why you picked the Suns in five, but then I want to also follow that up with at what point did you feel like the series started to shift
0: towards Milwaukee's favor? And then I'll go. Game – I I don't remember which game it was. It was your three or four. But it's the one where they they came out, the Bucks came out, and they started running Giannis off ball, which is something that I had been on this podcast and on Twitter all over the place. I've been screaming at the heavens to stop giving Giannis the ball at the top of the key and letting Drew run the offense and running Giannis off ball because I felt like that was the key to everything. And I brought this up in the last series that Bob, like Bobby Portis, was running off ball and killing people, and you start to wonder. Like, man, if Bobby Portis is killing people off ball, imagine what they could do with Giannis off ball. And then Butt saw that and was like, you know what? You're a smart guy. I'm going to start doing that. And they started running Giannis off ball, and they're killing him. And it was something that it it adds a whole new dynamic to their offense. And once I saw that, and then once I saw Drew really lock into Chris Paul and get into Chris Paul's gumption, and the thing is, like, I want to fucking bring this up people keep talking shit about Chris Paul and like how Chris Paul shit hit the bed in the finals. I, I again, he didn't play, he didn't play well, but I want to give more, I don't want to, I don't want to get on Chris Paul as much as I want to give praise to Drew holiday for locking up. Yes. Yep. Um, so I think, that, I think that's an important distinction. I don't think Chris Paul shit the bed. I think Drew holiday locked up and, and show why he's the best on ball defender in the NBA. Yeah. De-
1: yeah. Um, it's, it's him and Ben Simmons as the best, you know, perimeter guards, guard defenders in the NBA. Um, I it's interesting because we've we've talked about it on this podcast before. I've been a big Giannis guy. I think this year I wanted to see how the season would play out before I elevated him further up the hierarchy. But I already thought he was a top five player based on his back to back MVPs and his Defensive Player of the Year that he won um but we've talked about it on this podcast before the Bucks were doing experimentation throughout the regular season their offense was still really good but their defense had kind of fallen off they were experimenting with switching with drop coverages and all that stuff and they were using Giannis off the ball more and even with when that remember when that Bogdanovich Thing fell through before the season started i still liked them getting drew holiday because oh yeah we both it, did it was because it, he wasn't eric bledsoe and you saw in the finals <laughs> that even though drew holiday was shooting like eric bledsoe in the playoffs he was still an infinitely better player than eric bledsoe because he's a better playmaker he's a like you said he's probably the best perimeter defender in the NBA the best at least from the guard position and you're right I'm not putting this series on Chris Paul I know he had some he had some uncharacteristic turnovers and stuff like that but I think after game two when Bud made the switch and put Drew Holiday on Chris Paul and started picking him up full court um every game after that I just think the 36 year old point guard just wore down and yeah it became apparent that Drew having Chris Paul turn his shoulder every time bringing the ball up the court getting the Suns weight into their sets and the shot clock and stuff Drew was just instrumental in that series but the Bucks experimentation paid off in the sense that Giannis kind of transformed his game a little bit you still see him iso at the top of the key from time to time and I think if you look at synergy numbers his isolation numbers were actually average still but he it was a good mix it was off ball it was screening it was rolling to the basket it was bringing yeah, the like ball it's, it's not the
0: second offense that they were doing before where it's give you guys the top of the key or post them yeah. up and like just let him cook but which doesn't work by the way i i
1: picked the suns in six but i knew full well that i thought either way this either team was gonna win this series in six um I didn't think the suns would win in seven or anything like that because game sevens are just a toss up and anything could happen. And I also just wasn't going to do the, you know, chalk like suns in seven or whatever. Um, right. But yeah, the series started changing for me right around game three. Well, probably second half of game two, because it it was the same thoughts I had before the series started. The bucks had the best player very clearly. Heading into the series and if you have that as your trump card that kind of gives you a variability to win a series that the other team doesn't necessarily have and by the end of it man like i thought the bucks defense was fantastic i like i looked at the uh i looked at the final stats from cleaning the glass and if you look at the sun's corner threes that they got from in the first two games they got 22 corner three attempts the rest of the series game three four five six they had nine total attempts I think the Bucks did a good job of one getting into Chris Paul's grill with Drew Holiday um and having the Suns get into their set slower they basically choked off the other role players. They were fine with letting Devin Booker get all the mid rangers they want. And the Suns do make a lot of mid range shots. They have two of the best mid range artists in the game. But mm-hmm. the math for the Suns, like eventually you have to balance out your shot diet. And yes, if you if Chris Paul and Devin Booker are taking mid rangers, you absolutely those are the guys you absolutely want taking those shots. The problem is the Suns shot too many mid rangers for even their own good. And you saw, just look at the three-point attempts after game three. And I just really thought the Bucks were just, they were more physical. They made the Suns a jump shooting team from mid-range. They took away the th- corner threes. And the Suns were never a team that got to the free throw line a lot. Meanwhile, the Bucks were just living in the paint. And Giannis literally just destroyed everybody in sight. And it became even worse because the Suns have DeAndre Ayton. Who's really the only guy who has a prayer at guarding Giannis? But when Aiton was in foul trouble, the Saric injury obviously hurt them. But they just had nobody for Giannis, and I mean, we sh- this perfectly transitioned into our next thing about y- like Giannis put on like full stop one, of the, one of the greatest finals performances, the entire series in NBA Finals history. Not just not just the game six where he dropped fifty. 14 and five blocks but the entire series he, his averages were 30 35.2 points per game 13.2 rebounds five assists per game and honestly with the way Drew Holiday was shooting this entire series Giannis could have had at least three more assists a game and 61.8 percent field goal percentage that is wild like that is 2000s Shaq versus the Indiana Pacers and by the way Giannis led both teams, players from both teams in fourth quarter scoring and net rating. Like he, I I don't know what else to say about Giannis. He is already to me, a, conservatively, he's a top 40 player ever with the resume he has put together before age 26. And I think he's the best player in the world. And you can, Throw Kevin Durant and LeBron. I I mean, it's not like I'm going to push back at those arguments. But if you're talking about tiers and how I made the grandfather tier for LeBron, Katie, and Steph, Giannis kicked the door open, and I think he's the best player in the world right now. At worst, he is a tier grandfather <laughs> level franchise player. Yeah,
0: and I think, I think for me, more less so offensively because again, I knew he could score, and again, to me. This explosion, I was expecting to come eventually in his career because, to me, he was being misused on offense, like I keep bringing up. And I think they finally figured out, like, you have to use him in more ways than just giving him the ball and letting him cook. He's not that kind of player. Yes. And, like, so, to me, the incredible part, and he has a Defensive Player of the Year award. We know that. We know he's a great defender. We know he can defend. We know he has the perfect measurables to be an amazing defender. But to me, it's the timeliness of the defense that he had in, during this finals. That was the most impressive thing to me, because it's the thing of you can do it when it matters, and you can do it when you need it. Mm-hmm. And like he he stepped up in every moment, and it was insane to watch. That block he had in game. Four, the lob,
1: the that where he the blocked block lob yeah, the block yeah. lob, like that is some of the most instinctual special defensive instincts the defensive plays I have ever seen it's not LeBron's block especially no, given, stop given the situation it. given the situation that just yes. the situation alone puts LeBron's block above Giannis's but Giannis's is like in that same universe it's like in its own galaxy LeBron's block was in a different different galaxy but they're in the same universe like right. that was like Devin Booker through that lob off the dribble, like he had to throw the timing off anyway by throwing it clean off the dribble, and Aiton caught it at the top of the square, and Giannis just it it was incredible. Like I think a uh, Nick Wright, who I don't necessarily always agree with on it, anything he says, really, he was on a podcast, the, and it, the clip was circulating around Twitter. But Giannis's whack of fear of being embarrassed is a fucking superpower yeah like he he said in the post post game press conference he was scared to get or he wasn't scared he said that he thought he was going to get dunked on and that's just a fearlessness Giannis has had the minute he was drafted the drive that he has the competitive nature he has like (laughs) that's why We looked down his resume, he won Most Improved Player. He's a two-time Finals MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, five-time All-NBA, three three of them first team, four-time All-Defensive Player, three of them first team, Finals MVP and Champion.
0: Like, what a special player, man. Like, I can't... You're getting into something that I also wanted to talk about. The...
1: Uh... I want to shout out Chris Middleton too, by the way, because he yeah, was, so, he turned into Michael fucking Jordan in crunch time in these playoffs. Uh, yes. He, so he, would, the- he would miss like 20 shots in a row. But man, when it was money time, he was, he was Chris Money. That's what the, that's what Bucks fans call him. He's cash money.
0: Yeah. So this is something that I wanted to bring up uh, the other day of, or not the other day. This is something I want to bring up when you're talking about it is like, to me, Giannis, Especially if you watch that post game press conference that he did, it was one of the best post game press conferences I've ever seen from from a player. And it's a thing of Giannis has entered this air, and he he was in there before, but I think more people are seeing it now. He is just unhateable. Oh, I love I love Giannis. I I love like, as a, as a human being, he is un unha- like how can you hate Giannis? Like he is just unhateable as a human being. You hear him talk you hear you see what he's about and you just love him everyone well, loves
1: NBA players apparently I don't know well you you've been to Disneyland so uh I I'm not sure if you saw the madness that was descending on basketball Twitter but um there is this whole conversation about basketball players versus Hoopers that oh yeah made, that. that made that made my brain melt and <laughs> yeah. also there's this conspiracy on Buck's Twitter And, you know, not verifiably so, but there are some nuggets to make their theories valid, I guess. But NBA players don't tweet out in awe about Giannis as they might for other players. Although by game six, everybody was like, all right, shit. (laughs) Like, even LeBron was like, damn, Giannis is hooping. Um, But uh, there's, I don't know how anybody could hate this guy. Like... Yeah. You remember a few years ago when he jumped over Tim Hardaway Jr. for that alley-oop dunk yes. against the Knicks? Like, even after after that game, he was like, I'm on to the next play because I can't live in the past. We just got to get better. Like, And the thing is, like, athletes will say that, but it's one thing to, like, actually say it and then follow through on it. Like, that's part of who you are. And yeah. it's not fake with him. Like, there's just this there's just this charisma and unflappable nature about Giannis that just makes him really easy to root for, especially when you know where he comes from. Right. And, um, and I, I know, and I have to say as a, as a podcast host, I felt like I know you, I know when you've said this, it's, it was half jokes, but I should have pushed back a little bit more when we've talked about the conversation about, Giannis not being a basketball player but the same way we talk about Dwight Howard and his skills because I get what people say when they say that but I also think at the same time it has we have undersold how good Giannis is when we say stuff like that and it's not just you it's you know everybody has talked about it and I've certainly get some points of it but He has now rounded out the edges, not completely rounded out the edges of his game, but you see, you saw throughout the year, he started adding, like, a post move. He started adding, like you saw in the finals, he got a little bit comfortable with the fadeaway in the post. Like, he has always, he's, his skills are not as noticeable as, say, as, like, A Kyrie Irving who has maybe the best handle ever or Kevin Durant who's one of the greatest shooters ever or somebody like that but he has he's had skills in his own way but now he's putting together some basic stuff like I know we all wanted him to shoot threes earlier in his career but I think that should be out the window um he's started adding stuff to his game where it's just he's always had a basic handle which is just enough for him And he's always been a decent passer and a really good passer. I think this year he's taken the next step as a really good passer, um, especially in these finals. I think he's adding more stuff to his game now where his unseen combination of athleticism and physical features is making him the player that he is. And the scary thing is I don't think he's done getting better. Like he's going to keep working to get better and – it's going to be scary is scary hours for the rest of the league.
0: Yeah. I, I so what is what is so this is something I was, I was thinking of before. What is what is your trajectory for the Bucks going forward? Is this a, is this a everyone was hurt and this this season was weird or do you think they're going to keep rolling?
1: No, I don't think this is. So I, I think the Bucks are going to be a mainstay for a while. Because remember,
0: just two years ago. No, I, I'm not saying a main, I'm not saying they're not going to be in the picture. But like, I know, are they... I know what you,
1: I know, I, I know what you're saying. Um, I think they're always going to be as long as they have Giannis, and they're in the picture, and yeah, they're going to be in the picture. It's just one well, of like, those do you things. Pick
0: them over a healthy Nets or healthy Sixers.
1: Healthy Sixers, absolutely. Healthy Nets. That will be okay. So, if a healthy Nets, I would ha- probably have them as the favorite, but we have to think about the healthy part with the Nets because James Harden will be 32, Kevin Durant yeah. will be 34. And I know they were, I know we just saw Kevin Durant go on an absolute heater in the playoffs and tried to carry the Nets team. And if his and if he was wearing a size 15 shoe instead of a 17. The Nets might have been in the Eastern Conference Finals and not the Bucks, but we still have to think about Kyrie's injury history. Harden in getting up there in age and had hamstring problems. Although I imagine next season he's going to come into shape and not go to strip clubs and stuff uh prior <laughs> to the season. Um, what if that powers him up? What <laughs> if that what? What if that's part of his power up? <laughs> Well, then, hey, man, you, hey, you got to do what you got to do, but you can't show up <laughs> in the camp uh, 300 pounds, you know, <laughs> and looking like you just, uh, you know, went to Golden Corral before training camp. Um, Kevin Durant, too. As as much as the Nets were cautious with him this year, he still played, like, what, 35 games? Like, we have to think about that with the Nets a little bit. But healthy Nets, no, I probably wouldn't take the Bucks over the Nets. But I think as long as the Bucks have Giannis, Chris, and Drew – Plus, I do think the championship bump is real. Like, once you've been through – think about the road the Bucks had to go through to get yeah. to the finals. Like, that is a resilient – that was a resilient team. Like, that was probably – that's probably the one word I would use to describe them in these playoffs was resilient. And so, with all those battle scars and now winning the championship – they now have the prerequisite experience, and I totally believe in the championship bump. It's part of the reason why the Warriors went on that crazy seventy three and nine run because they knew how to play championship basketball. I, th- we well, just know what to expect, right?
0: What's up? I said you just know what to expect. Yeah, like, you, you just know-
1: yeah exactly. You know what to do, and yeah, there's gonna be new teams in the mix, but the Sixers. I mean, they're prop they'll be like they'll have a great regular season, and then you know Ben Simmons will pass a dunk. On noted shot blocker Trey Young, um, but the, the Sixers are t- TBD. But I think the Bucks are right there. As long as they keep building around Giannis and Chris and Drew, I think the Bucks are going to be in the mix for a long time.
0: Okay, fair. Well, what about I you? Where, where, where are you? I think I you? I don't know. I I I think I think I'm a, I'm in agreement with you. I I think I'm a little lower on them. I don't know. Again, again, it depends on I think they unlocked Giannis here. And like that, I'm gonna keep going back to that. Of like they figured out how to use him on offense. They figured out how to make him the the epitome of his offensive tool set. Um but you know, I, I They diversified it, his portfolio. They really did. And like again, I I like Giannis and this this discussion has to stop of like is Giannis skilled or not? And it's the it's a thing of like it depends on what it's the it's the same argument of like is Luca athletic. Yes, he's athletic, but in a different way than what we consider traditionally as athletic. Like, it's not just about speed and how high you can jump. You know, the explosion, the strength, that's all athleticism, the stop and start, all that stuff is all athleticism. And so Jans is skilled in his own way. He's not going to pull you off the dribble and shoot it shoot in your face. Like, that's not his style of the game, but he's still a skilled player. Now, is he as skilled as other players? No, he's not, but he is skilled in his own way. And he just has to have a different approach to the way he plays his game. He can't play like Harden can, right? Mm. And so, to me, it's a thing of, I think it, I think it unlocks him. And I think it, as he continues to develop his game and become more skilled, I think again, is he, is he as skilled as, he, as he's going to be? No, he still has a lot to learn, and there's still a lot more that you can do with him as he continues to grow. I, again, I don't think that he we're seeing anywhere close to what his prime is or what his ceiling is, which is terrifying to think about. Um, right. But like, you know, I, again, I think people are too stuck in this mentality of like, this is what Giannis is and he can't adjust or adapt. And even if he doesn't adjust or adapt, he's still, you know, like you said, one of the greatest players ever and and put on one of the greatest shows uh, that we've ever seen. So, All like, right, so you when, know, you, I, when you, when I,
1: you've said on this podcast before that you're not sure, and I know half of it was joking, but there's a kernel of truth and jokes. But when you have said that Giannis, uh, doesn't know how to play basketball what did you mean by that exactly
0: he doesn't know how to get around people like he he is still learning the intricacies of floor spacing and like kind of where he needs to be and he there's a lot of times on offense where he looks lost i think again a lot of that is on how the Bucks were structuring their offense and how they were kind of maneuvering and using him they didn't they don't they weren't using him in his you know prime in in like how you should be using Giannis or how I think he should be using Giannis I think having him play off ball and having him play other play off of other I don't think him as a primary creator I think is a misuse of his talents and his abilities I think he is probably the strongest off ball weapon that you can use in the NBA right now Yeah but you know when you when you put him on ball you negate a lot of what he does best Especially And so of course yeah, especially in the half-court. And so to me, when I say that he doesn't know how to play basketball yet, it's a thing of, yeah, where do you fit in an offense and where do you make the most of your abilities? And, like, dude, when you post him up, he he was having trouble posting up, like, you know, guys that should – I can't think of names, but, like, there's guys that he, he's posting up that he should have no chance in guarding him, that he can't get around because he doesn't have post-move yet. He doesn't know how to use his his skill set in that way yet, and he's still learning basketball in that same way. You know
1: what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I half, I have I halfway see what you're saying, but I also don't because while him being a primary initiator in the half court was a misuse of his skills, and I've certainly been a vocal critic of Bud, who you know improved as the final, as the <laughs> Eastern Conference in the final. You still like Bud as a coach? Do you still do you no. still but? no i i don't but i mean bucks fans will give him a lifetime contract right now so i mean fair um but he's still at the end of the day he's still averaged like 29 and 28 still doing the half-court initiating stuff and again
0: i'm not i'm not disagreeing of his greatness i'm my thing is he could be more
1: yes okay he can be more
0: he can do so much more because I, a,
1: I was under the impression that you fell under the uh, is Giannis a hooper or a no 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 my, basketball player.
0: I, I I view him in the same way that I view Dwight Howard of like you are this physical incredible athlete that I just need to see you develop a little more. Like I don't want, I don't want to use the word skill, but it's the I need to see you develop a little more basketball. Some pen um, moves, yeah, some like just. Dwight, could you imagine Dwight with one move? Yeah. Just Dwight with a reliable hook. Yeah. Right. Like, can you? You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't think Giannis has that yet. Where he's still a lot of what Giannis does still is reliant on his athleticism and his supreme physical tools and his gifts. And Although his in
1: these playoffs, like, oh, he the,
0: was, the, 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 dribbles, the he dribble the dribble step expanding to the finger roll that he did the that was going on Twitter. Yeah, the Oh ref- my god. The like ref- he was, was pull out the bag. Like And again, that's that's part of his growth, right? He's, he's al- I think he, he's
1: always had the uh, left to right spin move, but the post moves you, I was more so talking about the post moves that you were mentioning cuz in the playoffs you saw like and it, I you saw this It's weird cuz I saw the, him starting to expand throughout the season, but then in like the net series he started going back to like taking threes in the half court and stuff like that and not use and not trusting what he was been using but then in the eastern conference finals before his knee fucking bent back that's the crazy thing about this his knee was bent backwards like three weeks ago we weren't sure if he was gonna play and he dominated the finals but i think for most of these playoffs you saw him use the hook shot you saw in the finals he would Post up, Aiton, and take like the little baby fade away from ten to twelve feet. The little mid ranger, he's getting there. Like that's that's the scary part about this. Like he's already one of the best players ever. Yeah, but he still clearly can get better. Um, add more nuance to his game. Like I said, like it's not perfect. I think you grade it out as average in isolation in the playoffs um, when he had isolation possessions. But I mean, the dude would,
0: I, I, I really don't know what else to say. Like Giannis is, he's elevated to that, to that tier. When I bring up like learn to play basketball to me, it's the nuance and like the technicalities of it. Cause again, like he, he's still, when I watch him, it's so much of it is feel. And so much of it is like athleticism where like, man, if he had a move or two, or if he had like, yeah, different ways of getting around like you know you know, what i'm saying like it, it's to me it's nitpicking i'm not like i'm not trying to rag on him to me it's nitpicking of like he can do more mm-hmm. and like i just when he as he develops as he learns more about the game as he matures and again like every player matures right like every player comes m- like 99 of players come into the nba off of their athleticism and their explosion and like the yeah. feel and they learn throughout their career right mm-hmm. and like this is the maturation process is like what I'm excited for and what I'm looking for from Giannis moving forward. Cause I already know what he can do as a raw talent, but now we're seeing the refinement and now the refinement comes right. And I also think the roster, ca- I really do think people underestimated
1: how bad Eric Bledsoe was for the bucks in the play. Oh, he was garbage. And I don't want to, I don't want to rag on the guy, but I think part of the reason why the, we saw Giannis run into the wall in his two playoff exits was one Look at the defense the Raptors had. They had Prime Kawhi, Danny Green, Pascal Siakam, Serge Ibaka, Marcus All. That's a hell. Like you you're crossing the half court line and you just see fire and hell all around you. <laughs> like in terms of facing a defense. And then the Heat last year, they had Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala, Bam Adebayo. Like you have to one for the wall to work cuz because people were saying, like, why don't the Suns have a wall to defend Giannis? And it's like, well, you need to have the personnel to do that. You need to have wings and plethoras. You have to have – I don't even know if plethoras is a plural word, but I'm going to use it anyway. You have to have really good defensive bigs, and you have to have good discipline in your scheme. But also, the defenses were fine with Eric Bledsoe shooting open three-pointers and George Hill too even though George Hill shot well from three George Hill wasn't initiating anything he was just spotting up and they're just like you know what whatever we'll take our chances but now you can't really do that when you got Drew Holiday and even though Drew Holiday shot like Eric Bledsoe they still had to respect his shot Drew
0: Drew Holiday man I don't know what happened with his offense he was he was I'm I'm chalking up to he was so focused on shutting down Chris Paul, that he was like Buck offense. I'm just gonna, I'm just
1: gonna lock up. <laughs> he 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 uh, slid the sliders down in two K. Yeah, he, all, he like so he like from from down his, offense. He up all on his defense. Attribute
0: points over to, to defense. That's all he was doing.
1: Well, look, about. okay, so like in Game Four, where the Bucks won, Drew Holiday shot four for twenty, nice, and oh. was a plus eight. <laughs> and then he shot four for nineteen in Game Six, and was a plus twelve like he could shoot like Eric Bledsoe and still be better than Eric Bledsoe and of it's and that that upgrade this this also goes to show if you have a championship window and you're quibbling about what to give up in a potential move to go all in and
0: stuff fuck that shit go all also, in also also I do want to say too it is a perfect argument for like the argument that I kept making with the Warriors stuff, remember when the Warriors were, you know, when they just signed the did the DeMarcus Cousins signing, everyone was like, just give them the trophy now. Mm-hmm. And the 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 argument was like, well, maybe you should, team should wait out the Warriors window. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen, man. Like you yes. don't know injury. You don't know, mm-hmm. you know, what's going to happen throughout the season. Who's going to get hurt. Who's not going to get along. Who's going to, yep. you know, what's going to happen to other teams. You don't know. So fuck, like, fuck it. Just, you know, shoot your shot. Keep going. Press forward. If the Houston Rockets. The
1: Houston Rockets for the last decade were the epitome of this. Yeah, like they were the second best Western Conference team. Unfortunately, they ran into Golden State, but they kept trying, and they were Chris Paul, Pop Tammy, away from possibly. Oh, and zero. What was it? Um, zero for twenty-seven from three was yeah. the was the number. Oof. Like, yep, they literally were chucking up bricks in game seven like they could have won but they didn't but you go all in the raptors did they they won the championship and yes we can we can literally put an asterisk on every championship team by the way like we could but the raptors were the last team standing so were the bucks and um it it was weird because what was it after game four i believe you said. and this was when i already thought the series was turning but you you i remember you said in our discord um that cam johnson cam johnson should be taking more shots and i Good. agreed with you but then i thought the suns are in big trouble if what they need <laughs> is cam johnson
0: taking more yeah. shots <laughs> like it's so, it's so weird cuz i i feel like cam johnson he had the young player syndrome of, like, I don't want to mess up, and I'm not going to – like, I'm just, I'm going to defer to my superstars. He was good, but I didn't
1: think he, he, he was a self-creator. He's not a self-creator no, like that. he's
0: not. But it's a, it's a thing of he was passing up wide-open looks to, like, get a Devin Booker – get Devin Booker going and stuff like that. And it's like, well, that's fine. But at the same time, you're playing really well. And I feel like once you have – cam johnson becoming more and more of a growing threat it does space the floor better for those mid-range opportunities because jay crowder wasn't hitting shit and so you're like at that they they, the bucks started to condense their defense more and more as jay crowder and as the other two like as michael bridges Bridges yeah well, Jay got, Crowder got, was better the last three games. Yeah, but um... but as they as they got colder and colder, they were just shifting it more and more inwards and focusing on that mid range, and it made life more and more difficult for Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Drayton, and so like as as that pick and roll goes away, and now you're kicking to cold shooters. You need someone to go ahead and be able to take down and knock down those shots where I feel like Cam Johnson was being a little too timid. Well, actually, no, In I that lied. Sense. Jay Crowder
1: shot thirty one percent from three of the last three games. He had yeah, that he's good started. he had
0: that good game
1: Hit one. Five, game. Yeah. that good game five. But yeah. No, um that was you know, the other thing too.
0: Um we're I'm sorry. I, I was saying, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just, it, it yeah. It's the it's the the threat and the gravity that you need to create, right? Yeah. rather than anything
1: else. And Mikhail Bridges was not hitting his non-corner three-pointers, which was something I noticed with Mikkel Bridges. Like, I know he shot 40% from three this year, but a lot of his shots were from the corner. And if yeah. you remember when he first got drafted, like, when his workouts were surfacing on the internet, his shot was noticeably different than from Villanova. Like, he had a hitch in his shot. It was almost Markel Foltzian.
0: Markel Foltzian.
1: With how his shot, like, no, seriously, look it up. And he's ironed out most of his hitch, but he's still not the great movement shooter that we saw at Villanova, where he was hitting all types of threes and his mechanics were cleaner. It got better. He's, he's a hard worker. So he ironed out his mechanics. But if you get him outside the corner, if you get him shooting threes from other areas, that is not the corner. I think the bucks were fine with letting him shoot those shots. And, um, that was the other thing too. DeAndre Ayton's effectiveness kind of waned as the series went along. Cause I think he was just, you're asking him to guard Giannis a lot. And then also he just wasn't taking advantage of the switches when he had, when, uh, he had the advantage on a smaller player or, and also Brooke Lopez, there were just times where Brooke Lopez would just straight up take his lunch money also. And, yeah. um, the Suns have oh, yeah. a, the the Suns. Like, it was a learning shows... experience
0: for the Suns' young players for sure. They weren't even yeah, supposed to, me, to be here. To me that was a to me. That was a DeAndre Ayton getting getting out vetted by Brooke Lopez.
1: Yeah, because even though Brooke didn't, even though they would close with lineups with Giannis at the five when Brooke Lopez was in, yeah, we, I'm sure the Bucks were fine with vetting Ayton try to score on the move and not get those easy catches that he was getting deeper in the, in the paint earlier in the playoffs. So.
0: Yeah, totally agree.
1: Uh, also one more thing. Cause I know we we have to move on. We have spent, well, I think it's right that we spend a good amount of time oh, yeah. in these finals because we haven't talked in three weeks. Um, But it's also interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah. Cause this has been, so I guess a few more things, this has been the most This was the most entertaining finals I have seen since 2016, probably. And that's not to say that super teams or whatever are an indictment on the league and all this other stuff. I just thought it was nice to have some fresh new blood in the finals. Well, not just fresh new blood,
0: but like it seemed like it was... Okay, obviously basketball is a game of runs, and it's the cliche that we hear all the time. But Mm -hmm. man, this series had some of the craziest just teams go up 20
1: and then lose it. Game five, the Suns were up 16, and I was my my buddy from college came over to watch the game, and um, you know he had some money on it, and he was I think he picked the Suns to uh, win, but he was just like okay, I yeah, bet I think he picked the Suns like to win by like four or five or something like that. That was his bet, and he was just like man, if I I hope the Suns like don't blow this team out, and I'm just like just wait, it's it like this series has been a series of runs. Especially the last two games, the Milwaukee games, like, just wait till the the Bucks will make it a game, and this year just tactically the players in this series, everything like this was really entertaining. This, since the 2016 finals for sure, def like the 2013 finals between the Spurs and the Heat that went seven, uh, the 2016 finals and these finals I would probably put as the three most fun I have seen out of the last 10 or so finals just I just thought it was interesting the players were interesting the tactics were interesting and uh it was a real it was a really good series
0: yeah I had a ton of fun watching this series very Um, very happy to also made me realize sorry I said I'm happy the way it turned out like I'm yeah as as wrong as I was and it's like it was one of the it was the one of the most interesting series kind of going back and forth so i I enjoyed yeah. it
1: also we need to um we do and I am guilty of this sometimes but we do throw out the word superstar like it's candy because I think what this series really highlighted more than anything and like I have told you on this podcast I have been a day one devin Booker stockholder yes. I have defend I have been on the island with me and my homie George when everybody, Ben Golliver, all these guys casted off Booker as a good stats, bad team guy, which I still don't quite understand the terms of that when you break it down in my head. Um but Booker is not quite there yet as a superstar. Um he has to impact the game in other ways. Um you saw That's a cool. little bit in the Bucks defense, too. They were fine with letting Booker try to make plays. And Booker can make plays, but can he make those plays consistently? I think in Game 3, he I shot... Mean it's three. Less, to me, it's
0: less consistently. It's it's can you make plays when they matter?
1: Yeah, and also, just impacting the game in other ways more than scoring. In Game yeah. 3, he shot 3 for 14, I think it was. and But it wasn't just that he shot 3 for 14. He was... I didn't notice him in the game. Like he was non existent. But then Giannis <laughs> Giannis will have a subpar game where it's like I think game four was quote unquote his subpar game when he dropped twenty six, uh, fourteen and eight assists, but also had two steals and three blocks. Like there are levels to this and I think the last bit to be a superstar is you have your your bad games still have to be better than like 90% of the league <laughs> like, yeah. and I think Booker is not quite there yet I think a few up-and-coming players are not quite there yet but I think it kind of highlights what it takes to reach that final boss stage of becoming a superstar if that makes sense yeah I agree
0: I'm with you I don't I don't consider him a superstar I have him as a star oh yeah for app no no question Yeah, but I don't don't think – I don't consider him. To me, there's only maybe five to ten superstars in the league.
1: Yeah, I have – let me see. I'm pulling up because I did update my list, um, my tier list. I have 11 tier one guys, the franchise-changing players. And then, of course, there's levels beyond the superstar, right? That's the grandfather that I was mentioning earlier, the grandfather tier. But I have 11 superstars right now in the NBA, the tier one guys. Yeah, that sounds it, about right. And it's it's hard to get there. It's super hard. And also the league is just I'm looking at the list, the league is just deep with talent. Like the top end talent
0: is deeper probably than it's yeah, ever been. Absolutely. So this is so I guess we'll transition real quick to the draft real quick. This is the only thing that I want to bring up cuz we have the draft on Thursday. Did you see the report today that the Pistons are still deciding? To me this is it's a if form- you're, uh,
1: this is a formality. I don't believe that report.
0: I, neither I just, do I. But my yeah. thing is, like, dude, there's no, there's no way this isn't a smoke screen, right? Like, if they yeah. keep this, pick, they're taking Cade. There's no reason to take Mobley or Green, right?
1: Yeah, no, they're they're taking Cade. Although I will say, I think Mobley has a absolutely has, I think. If Cade's odds of becoming the best player in this draft are like 50%, I think Evan Mobley is a 40 or a
0: 45. So here's my, my concern is, we just had Bagley and then we had Wiseman, who I called what Bagley should have been, or who we thought Bagley was supposed to be was Wiseman. And then now we have this third guy that's coming in with similar skill sets. With the, it's the long, athletic, big I don't know if they're the same player.
1: No I, I don't know if those
0: guys are the same player. You understand the you understand like the optic archetype, right? Like you you understand like where I'm coming from, right? Of like, is this another one where we're gonna get super excited and go, I I, I think Mobley's the best of the bunch. But to me, it's just a thing of like, man, it's like it's like, remember when the remember when the Detroit Pistons kept taking wide receivers in the top two, top three? You're talking For about like, the lions. Yeah, the lions, when they kept taking wide receivers, and you're just like, "Fuck another one, Jesus! How many do you yeah. need?" And you're like, "Which one's gonna pop?" And then eventually they get Calvin Johnson. You're like, "All right, I guess one of them worked out." It's like, what? At what point? Like, which one is gonna? Which one's gonna pop? And I, all all things point to Mobley, but it's just a concern of like, man, this has been a string of like, bigs going in the top two. This is why like, I I don't I don't see. This is
1: why I don't I don't. Think about. I guess I don't think about drafting players that way anymore because like I think every player is its own entity like with Mobley I've never seen a center move like that since Joel Embiid and Anthony Davis in college like I think the foot speed he has and keep in mind I still haven't watched enough of Mobley to feel comfortable making any declarations or anything like that, but I'm just looking at this guy who has the foot speed to stay on the perimeter, but also can play the drop coverage while also having the physical tools to recover or contest, and I look at his skill set on the other end. He might not be a good three-point shooter yet, but he was, what, a 75% foul shooter, and if you just get him... It also, some of it will definitely depend on which team he's drafted by. But with Bagley, like, I think Bagley was mostly athleticism, like, and people thought he could play the five, but there was really no evidence that he could play the five at Duke, especially because he was with um, Wendell Carter Jr. Um, I also just, and who was the other guy we mentioned, Wiseman. I think Wiseman is just too raw. Like, we really don't know what Wiseman is. Like, people say he has a mid-range jumper. He has a nice-looking jump shot. It takes a little bit to load, but i he hasn't really shown, like, he has the talent for sure, but he's, there is, like, not a discernible skill he has on the offensive end. I think Mobley's skills right away, he could be a really impactful defender right away. And... I think the shot is really good. I think he's he's a good free throw shooter too. And I know he shot 30% from 3, but that that projects well if especially if he's has that that kind of touch shooting the ball. And also, he's a decent passer. So I think he already has a base of foundation that puts him a cut above the other people. And when you look at the special bigs that are in the league now, is is the return of the big man pretty much like that would be enticing to me. Although I totally get, I totally get the Cade arguments. If Cade's floor is Chris Middleton, well shit, that was the second best player on a championship team. <laughs> you know, Yeah. like you take that. The Piston should absolutely take Cade Cunningham. But if I'm the Rockets, I don't understand the Jalen Green, like love. Jalen Green is obviously in this tier in terms of like the tiers that have separated from the rest of the draft class. But I think he's clearly a cut below mobley and Cade, just at least from what i've watched and if i'm the rockets like it doesn't matter if he could fit with christian wood or not you tr- you could trade
0: christian wood yeah. like take evan mobley like I, even then i think mobley's athletic enough and like versatile enough where you can play them both
1: oh yeah for sure it would just be a, it would be a really skinny front front court though yeah, it would be really it like they would they would be allowing to get teams. bullied. They'd they get would get bullied, bullied especially Mobley early
0: on um, yeah. in his career. Dude, could you imagine them going going against like Stephen Adams just getting pushed against them, like <laughs> across the court? Oh, and um, on the box out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of Stephen Adams, did you see? Yeah, the trade today. Did you see
0: the trade today? I did. Uh, so interesting enough. I so I know we've been shitting on Griff for what seems like in months
1: now he does move on when he makes mistakes I yeah will give him i'm that very
0: I, I will give him a ton of credit that like at least you you understand your mistakes and you said fuck it like trade get get trade them all yeah get rid of eric bledsoe get rid of steven adams fire stan van gundy like commit to- i i i do think Valentinus is an upgrade i just i steal like that's similar issues to what you have with next to next to I think the difference
1: Lyon? I think the difference is at least Valenčiūnas is one more willing to shoot and also there's some more self creation from that position cuz Stephen Adams could really only sure. get his points in the dunker spot. Yeah, roll yeah, either rolling or rolling to the rim or getting his points in the dunker spot. At least with Valenčiūnas, he can post up, he can shoot a little bit, he can stretch out to 3, although I'm sure defenses will give him that, but at least in theory, he fits better with Adam. Because remember, at the beginning when we started this podcast, I told you I was lukewarm on the Pelicans for those reasons. Yeah. Getting Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe, I so, think. Uh, I don't know what to think of this trade.
0: exactly I know we're supposed to have hot take reactions right off the. Yeah, cup. it's a weird. It's a weird trade. Again, I think it's, it's a, a marginal. Trade. It's a marginal upgrade. I think you benefit more just getting rid of Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. More so than anything else.
1: Well, I don't. Um, I, we also don't know until we know who the Grizzlies pick at ten. And now we're seeing reports. Yeah. Well, one, Eric Bledsoe is not going to be in Memphis much longer. That's what Chris Haynes reported. Um, yeah, but it's stretch, right? They're going to stretch him. They're yeah. They're probably going to try to look for somebody to trade him. I mean, the Grizzlies have assets and picks to kind of offload Bledsoe, but yeah. also. Um, Will the Grizzlies move up even further in the draft because they got the tenth pick now? Will they move up even higher in the draft to take who they want and maybe get a scoring wing next to Jaw? Um, Kaminga, so not just the players. Did
0: someone say Kaminga? I. What
1: do you What do you think about Jonathan Kaminga? He seems to be we've, the polarizing hot topic.
0: We've player. talked about this. We talked about this before we left before our, our hiatus that i i'm the worst person to listen to because if you are a long that's athletic right weight, if, if you're a long athletic like yep exactly <laughs> that's um, that's exactly
1: why i'm afraid of watch diving into kaminga more because i'm just going to be like shit he's big he's long he's a long boy and he has all the athleticism and
0: he's the toolsy guy that we love. Yeah, <laughs> like it's to me it, again it's the Jordan it's a tale as old as time and you being an also being a long boy fan will will know this as well when i give you this report. He is long, athletic, uh a high energy, high engine guy, gets to the basket, has good explosion to the basket, uh questionable jumper. Uh <laughs> my type you of know, player. <laughs> he's exactly my archetype of player. <laughs> um, and again the right trap up that the bob's alley the trap that i fall into all the time with these guys is you can't teach athleticism but you can teach them how to shoot and like mm-hmm. this is that's <laughs> is this the same argument you have in, yep. with yourself yeah because it's the same argument i have too of like you can develop a jump shot you can't develop athleticism ben simmons was motor. the fucking
1: epitome of this for me
0: <laughs> i was like
1: I saw everybody because I Kevin Connor Kevin O'Connor was literally the only guy in that 2016 draft leading up who had Brandon Ingram first over Simmons and all the, and all the big boards and all that stuff. Yeah. And I'm watching Simmons at LSU and I'm just like, okay, the defense. I'm really not too concerned about that because LSU sucks and I wouldn't be playing defense on that team either. But he could pass. He has size. He has athleticism. He could get to the hoop. Um. You you could teach you could teach him how to get a serviceable jump shot, <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's been plenty of players after that. Um, I was a huge Jonathan Isaac fan, um, but he's been more injured more than anything. I think when he's on the court, he's been a insanely impactful defender, but he's been way too injured now. Like you're you're you are. You are playing the harp on my heartstrings right now when you're talking oh, yes. about so here, Jonathan. Well, I, mean, I, I
0: just I just pulled up the Ringer draft guide, which everyone, if you're interested in the draft at all, you gotta look at this. You gotta look at the Ringer draft guide. Kevin Always Conner read Kevin it. O'Connor; he is fantastic. But so, just the Cliff Notes version of this, Jordan. So mm-hmm. excellent physical profile. Yep, has excellent uh, elite defensive potential. Yeah, talented, talented <laughs> yeah. but raw shot creator. Uh flashes! It ad, flashes! Advanced shot creation abilities, good first read passer, ambidextrous rim finisher, and an active rebounder. The minus is Jordan. Give me. <laughs> the minus. The is Jordan. Decision making. He's a tends to be a ball stopper, inconsistent shooter, and an aloof defender that sometimes that also will bite on pump fakes. Give me. This is my guy. Give Is <laughs> send
1: him over to the Sixers. We'll take him if he's too raw and drops. We'll take. We'll take him. <laughs>
0: This is my guy. Because remember, I was also I was a Michael Kidd-Gilchrist guy. Yep, I was a I was a big 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 Andrew Wiggins guy. Man, uh, I'm
1: on my on my if well if I had my old Twitter account and not my current one, you would definitely see some Michael Kidd-Gilchrist takes that I that I had.
0: Like I I, loved MKG. (laughs) I loved him, man. He was really good. Me and you, me and you, come from the same camp of like we just like these kind of guys. <laughs>
1: especially so, the, with the way the league is going, it was why I was a, it was, it's why I to this day I will defend Robert Covington. Um, also, uh, especially because I saw him, you know, be a D League player, develop on a ten win team, and then become a three and D guy. Like, trust me, you're you're, a, you're a singing my swan song right
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, I'm I'm a terrible person to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why also I like <laughs> Isaac Okoro yep. last year. Yep, the same reason why Patrick um, Williams. Yeah, same thing. We, I, we I and
1: by the way, we did not like the Patrick Williams. Like where the where, we, yeah, we we did not like where the Bulls picked Patrick Williams. But goddamn, we might be wrong because yeah, Patrick I, Williams I like has flashed some offensive early. stuff.
0: No, but to me, to me, I I would have taken Isaac Okoro over Patrick Williams. But you yep. know, again, that that's me yeah yeah but no I, <laughs> I get,
1: no I get like I'm just merely bringing up the archetype of players that we <laughs> <that laughs> yeah we all love like even yeah, Kate, you... even K Bates Diop I was just like
0: eh, yeah you know so when, when, you you could... say, when you say you know getting getting the Grizzlies a a scoring wing Kaminga Kaminga the, the Grizzlies are about to be like
1: 29th in three point shooting. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> They're about to come
0: into the next season being like 25th in offensive rating. <laughs> the 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 rim the rim has to get a restraining order for the amount of beating it's going to get on. <laughs> you are going to have to go double rims. Like <laughs> at the park. No, oh no. Um... <laughs>
1: the dreaded double rims those things suck to play on by the way i mean yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure i'm not breaking any news here since this is a basketball podcast and people who listen are have definitely played on double rims before but that shit sucks um it's the worst but i really think the rockets should take evan mobley by the way like i yes. don't i I'm, don't think I'm old in it. like if you're in the lottery forget fit take the best player like there's only few 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 cases where you draft in the lottery for fit that's if the player's talented and it happens to coincide with your fit but the Rockets are just doh right now and they have Kevin Porter Jr. who's talented I actually think if Evan Mobley went to the Rockets playing with somebody like John Wall if he is committed to playing with Houston would actually help out Evan Mobley a lot playing yeah. with a past uh, pass first point guard um but I like some of the Rockets' young players. I like Jayson Tate. Kevin Porter Jr. is a dynamite scorer. I mean, he dropped 53 against the uh, defending champs in the regular season. Um, and the Christian Wood-Mobley fit, that might be something offensively. Defensively, they're going to get beat up on. The Rockets are still going to be fucking terrible. But I think Mobley has some players around him that could help him in his development. But if he goes to the Cavs, I actually think that's actually going to be interesting too, because you could play Mobley and Allen together. It'll depend on. I don't think the Cavs are going to move on from Colin Sexton. Um, I've been talking with my homeboy Evan Damarell, about who uh, covers the Cavs. I've been talking to him about what you know, what the Cavs should do and all that stuff. Um, and it doesn't seem like Colin Sexton is going to be shipped out any anytime soon. I don't um, know if you can get buyers for the price they're asking. Yeah, exactly. But also, if the Cavs' mandate next year is to make the play-in at least and win more, then trading Colin Sexton would actually hurt the Cavs more because then at that point you'd be trading Colin Sexton. Like you said, the value around the league and all that stuff, they don't value him as highly. So if they traded Colin Sexton and be for a worse player in a lot of picks, like that doesn't necessarily help the Cavs' mandate. Um, but I think Mobley going to the Cavs – him and Darius Garland would be a great point guard center combo to move forward on in the future. Um, yeah. Even if you extend Jared Allen with the restricted free agency and stuff like that, you can always trade that contract down the road. Cause there's always guys. Jared Allen is somebody that anybody in the league could use. I think he's a really good player, but um, even if you find the Allen Mobley fit down the road, untenable, you can always trade Allen. Um, but if the Cav- if mobley falls to the cavs i think they're going to get arguably maybe the best player in this draft i'm still intoxicated by it's it's not just wings for me long boys for me it's the big boys cuz i am a center at heart um and i think bigs that are special like that can just change the dynamic of your team just an unorthodox or unique player like that um especially when you look at Jokic the Jokic's the Giannis's the Embiid's of the world etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, you can win with game changing bigs like that and uh, if the Cavs get get Mobley because the Rockets are just like nope we want an all scoring backcourt with Jalen Green and Kevin Porter
0: the Cavs would be lucky yeah
1: I'm with
0: you I, uh, I'm curious to see where they go from here with the Cavs I think like Obviously, Mobley falling to Mo, Mobley falling to them is the the best case scenario. But like, if he doesn't, you take Jalen Green, you take Suggs. Mm-hmm. You have to take Green, but you know,
1: Kaminga. I'm also higher on Suggs than most people are, but I understand he's not like in that tier. Yeah, with uh, Green, Mobley, and um, Cunningham. But
0: uh, I even were- think I think Cade and Mobley are a little Green. I would put them in a class of their own, slightly yeah. above.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like we were like we were talking about earlier. It's definitely Cade and Mobley thing green, then uh I think yeah. Suggs. Um and then there's a
0: pretty big drop off after that with like Kaminga and the other guys are all projects. Yeah. Where I think I think from Suggs up they can make impacts right away, where I think from like Kaminga down, it's all projects.
1: Have you uh watched any Scotty Barnes tape? I have. What do you feel about Scotty Barnes? Well, I actually—that's what I was going to ask you because I haven't watched oh, no. much of a uh, Scotty Barnes, but uh, he seems to be everybody's draft darling, but seems to have the uh, can't shoot. Yeah, <laughs> label he has, the, attached same, to he has him.
0: the same kind of uh, can't shoot. The same flaws that will make me fall used. in love with wings. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just not as uh, he's he's more of a playmaking player than a score like a pure score like Kaminga, mm-hmm. like. He's a he's a def, he's like a defense a defensive playmaker. Like I, I I've, I've heard a lot of people compare him like a Pascal Siakam, like a smaller Pascal Siakam, mm-hmm. uh, or like a not smaller, like a less long Pascal Siakam. Um, yeah. so you know, I have I I'm not as high on him. I think I would take Kaminga as a higher, um, potential guy, mm. but I think that you know I think Scotty Barnes. I don't see him as a a superstar. Guy, I see him as in the same way that we saw uh, Halliburton last year, of just being a good, a good role player on a championship team, yeah, or like an important piece of a championship team. I see him in that mold rather than like someone that could potentially a star
1: in his role as opposed to the driving star. Right, we're like
0: you know, obviously this is a stretch, but like you know, in a couple years, could you have could you have Kaminga be a team's sort of like off-ball number one scoring option, yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. Given his tools and given what he can do with the ball, like, yeah, absolutely. I don't see that. I don't see Scotty Barnes ever carrying your offense or carrying a team to a championship, but he is one of those core pieces that you would have in in your roster of a championship team. Like, I think Scotty Barnes helps a good team out more than he carries a bad team, if that makes
1: sense. So if if Scotty Barnes was drafted by the Warriors, that would be... A good place yeah. for him for his development um yeah absolutely i think he, learn how to shoot a
0: little bit better but be, you know provide a defensive anchor
1: yeah that 29.7 three point percentage on just 37 threes <laughs> for the season yeah. that's
0: uh yikes
1: yeah but again he's
0: a he's a fantastic defender um i know there were a lot of complaints about him uh laterally but i mean as we've seen with halliburton that was also a complaint with halliburton and like yeah. you know it's not not a huge problem. No. Um, So, you know, who knows? I, I think, again, for, he, he again falls into that class of like that top role player for me, rather than when you, you know, if you're, if you're picking in the top five, you're looking for stars. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking for someone to help your, your seemingly terrible roster. So again, I I think that we won't see we won't see Scotty Barnes potential, or we won't see his, his full uh, talent gambit until, you know, any any prospect that has his potential
1: tied to a jump shot. It it gives me the heebie-jeebies, but at the same time, I'm just like, Ooh, (laughs) because that's what the the draft, that's what the draft guide has. He has elite defender with playmaking skills, but needs to improve his jump shot to reach his full potential.
0: And I'm just like, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it, Ben. (laughs) Yeah. He's a, From what from what I've seen of him he ha- he's in the perfect spot defensively every time he is you know he's in there yep but you know it's a matter of how does that translate to the NBA does he have the athleticism to, to keep up that way What's again it's a lot situation of the, it's now. a lot of the same questions that we had for Halliburton right mm-hmm. so that's how I feel about that his sons um, had, had a chance to draft
1: Halliburton by the way they did. The, I don't do know if that – I. I st- the jury might still be out on the Jalen Smith pick, Um. but, man, the Suns could have definitely used Halliburton in the finals. Yeah. Um, man. You think the Warriors are keeping both of their picks on Thursday? I would be surprised if they
0: do, to Me be honest. too.
1: I don't think they're – you can't – unless you're taking Davion Mitchell at seven, that would probably be the only person I would – if I was the Warriors in this specific situation – I would take Davion Mitchell and want to move taking, 14.
0: Are you taking Mr. Jonathan Kuninga?
1: No, I'm taking – I think you need to get players that are more ready and have had more, I guess, not experience because, I mean, everybody's entering as a rookie, but Davion Mitchell has had three years. We know what he is. He hey. improved as a shooter. He's a hell of a defensive guard. And – um I think that would be the perfect fit to plug in right away. Kaminga would probably take a bit to move along. And I just don't think, especially what we have saw with Wiseman before he went out for the season with his knee injury. It, I mean, rookie minutes on teams with established star players, that's hard to come by. And Kaminga would definitely need those minutes to develop. Whereas Mitchell, you could see him carve out minutes with the role that he has in the skill set that he or he would have in the skill set he has now um right it obviously i think it all depends on the bradley beal situation which i think i mean we could also talk about that for a little bit um the bradley well, start beal, in
0: general that are gonna, that are looking out uh, elsewhere
1: uh, yeah um but the two at the top of the the top of the order the pecking order is a uh, beal and Lillard, but uh. We might be here for the first time, it seems like, because from everything I've read, and, you know, if you're not following Fred Katz or reading his stuff on The Athletic, he's the Wizards beat writer. He has a good ear on the stuff, Sean Cerania. They Beal has been, and it's no bullshit, it's kind of like Giannis, he talks the talk and walks it too. Beal has been really steadfast over the years on staying in Washington and building a winner in Washington and wanting to win in Washington. He wants, you know, to have the record books he wants to be the guy to lead Washington to a sustainable winning situation but now we're hearing for the first time it feels like ever that Beal is seriously mulling over his future um the Wizards have a new head coach um Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report reported over the weekend that Beal is mulling over his future he could decide before draft night, so this podcast could be old. But um, the teams that are involved, one of them is the Warriors, and um, if Beal becomes available, I think the Sixers. Not and- <laughs> I think anything better. I think the Warriors
0: have the most desirable yeah. trade package if they trade it.
1: Yeah, so that's what I was gonna say. The Sixers and the Warriors are probably the favorites out of all the teams that I've read. It's Miami, Boston, Hawks which is kind of a dark horse actually. And then the Sixers and Warriors. And I think the Warriors package of Wiseman, Wiggins, seven and 14, I think it's not an appealing offer, but it's one of those where that's probably going to be the Warriors best offer. And if the wizards don't like it, they can be like, all right, go out and find a better one and come back to us. And the wizards would have to come back and take that offer. If Beal does request out. Um, Yeah. I think the Warriors have a better chance at this than a lot of people realize, based
0: on all the reporting and stuff that I've read. I'm I'm of the belief that if any players available, the Warriors have first dibs. Yeah, you're probably. If they want yeah. it. They can... So this is something I wanted to bring up when we were talking about the draft stuff. And I was thinking about it: if the Warriors do keep the pick, is there a more perfect fit for them than Wagner?
1: Oh, uh, Mo's younger brother. Franz Wagner, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, again, it would depend on if Steve Kerr actually likes his rookies, but you know, it would. It, I mean, it seems like you know, impactful, versatile defender, wing can shoot. Didn't really see him play that much either. So I, so I'm maybe out of my depth when I speak in depth about the type of player he could be for. But uh, the Warriors do need guards and wings to fit around Steph and Clay, especially because Clay is coming back from an Achilles and an yeah. ACL. So you're so, not going to have him be the defender, the number one Just, uh, just
0: defender. like a, just like a quick thing about France. He is, he's a great three point shooter, great catch and shoot guy. Mm-hmm. So he, incredibly intelligent player, makes the right play, great basketball IQ. Um, he's. A, maker so he doesn't really have uh like he makes he he makes quick decisions and goes for it he doesn't have the indecisiveness that you see from a lot of young guys um yeah. odd defender smart defender he's just a smart player overall so he's smart defender smart on offense um the only thing he's lacking is like one-on-one creation which you're not really looking for if you're if you're the if you're playing for the warriors you're not looking yeah, that, for a guy yeah. that's trying to create for himself so again when you injuries, have so yeah, so when you have a guy that's like a spot a smart glue three point three and D wing, to me that's the perfect fit for what you're looking for as the Warriors. And again, he's not he's not your three year starter like you're talking about with Davion Mitchell, but he is a sophomore, so he's a little older than some of the other guys. And he played, yeah. and at Michigan he played deep into the tournament every year, and he was a starter the entire time. So you know you're, you're looking for a guy that is he fits what they're looking for. Yeah. And I think he it's what they're what you would need for him right and he, again he's not a he's not a fantastic athlete but again that's not what you're looking for right yeah
1: he has the he has the skill set that definitely fits in the warrior system i mean he could shoot he could play make a little
0: bit yeah um so i mean if you <laughs> grab a guy like him at seven or ten you know if he's still available like that's to me a fantastic fit for for what you want to do is if you're the warriors yep um and then you can like even if you wanted to take a chance on kaminga early and then grab friends late if they keep those two picks. I think that that fits perfectly with what you're doing and can can help kind like of catapult you into the future as well as keeping keeping some some fuel in the tank for now. Yeah, but again, it just depends on what they want to do, right? I think I think it's probably more valuable to them to trade these picks. Like I would be very surprised if they don't. But like there are options here in the draft that can help them in the long term.
1: Yeah, I although I do kind of question some of the Warriors draft decisions, even though they did draft late in the first round. So normally you're probably going to miss on those more often than not, but they still missed on a lot, like more than normal, their late first round picks. I mean, Jordan Poole finally started, you know, gaining some confidence last year and he might bear out, but if you look at the late round picks, the Warriors have had the last few years. Jacob Evans is one that comes to mind. I mean, like,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, if the Warriors end up getting Beal, that would be, that would be incredible for them. That would be an incredible get for the Warriors. Um, it would take some of the scoring load off of Steph and Clay. Um, I think Beal Bradley Beal is really, 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 really good. I I think in the right situation, he could be bordering on a tier one point five or to a tier one type of player. That's just the type of player I I think he has the talent to be. Um, People kind of forgotten because two out of the last four years, he's missed the playoffs. and the other two years, his team was the eighth seed and got bounced. He's kind of had to do everything for that team. And remember earlier in his career when the Wizards were on the rise and there was actually players around Bradley Beal that made sense, like John Wall, for example. They built around that backcourt. We've seen Beal in a winning situation. And as the years have gone on, player the players have started leaving. Marcin Gortat leaves, doesn't actually hasn't been in the league since. Markeith Morris leaves. John Wall Man. gets shipped out. Like slowly, I, will say, talent I was a drink. big Martin
0: Gortat fan. What's up? I was a big Martin Gortat guy. Yeah, he
1: he was a crucial center for the Wizard. Like he was, like. Really I thought good he was a partner with Johnny I thought he
0: was super underrated when he, was he played up Dwight. Yeah, Me like too. I thought he was I thought I was like dude, he's the best backup center in the league by far. Yeah, yep. He should start. I, yeah. You I, could you could play them both twin towers. And the when they did it a couple times they're like, "Man, this is actually working pretty well." That was back when the league wasn't three-point centric.
1: <laughs> right. Like yeah, today's today's NBA you'd get run off the floor. You couldn't do that now, but they, but yeah. back
0: then like that was It worked and it was really effective. But then,
1: yeah, the Wizards got him and that was a solid starter for a long time. I mean, you had, I mean, Otto Porter was a, not, he wasn't always great at times, but he was at least somebody who could space the floor, was, would make quicker decisions with the ball because, you know, what are you going to, you, you have to decide quickly what you want to do with the ball because you're not going to get it that often when you play with a Beal and Wall. Um, Yeah but it feel did,
0: okay is it me or did it feel like the wizards were like all right they like hit the reset button and then we're like never mind and then hit stop on the reset halfway through
1: yeah and then part of it was injuries too cuz john wall taking all yeah, those like injuries since i think it was, it really started in 2017 18 he only played like 41 games but ever since then he he played 32 the next year and then he he had that knee injury then tore his Achilles like the injury it it really sucked we didn't get to Man. see prime john wall the um, people forget how good prime
0: like good john wall is i'm telling good. you i love oh, those wall. i love
1: those early wizards teams like i was high on bradley beal like i was like this guy is an off-ball menace but you could see like some dribble creation that he has and stuff like that and they they took that one Boston team, the Isaiah Thomas-led Celtics team, to seven games. They were a game away from the conference finals. I thought the Wizards were right there. But then injuries started. Bradley Beal and John Wall had maybe maybe not a little tiff with each other that they ironed out. Like, yeah. just some sometimes in the NBA that happens. But I think the last four years have kind of obscured how good Bradley Beal is. Like, I've heard well-established media members, you know, be like, is Bradley Beal a good stats bad team guy? Like, I'm sorry, good stats bad teams guys don't put up 30 points per game on really good efficiency on bad teams and leave yeah. be I second mean, in I scoring back to back. Like,
0: clearly, if you stats, get in the right like, situation, the telling point for good stats bad team guys is the efficiency. Are they taking a lot of shots? Is that why they're scoring so much? To me, that's the indication of good stats bad team.
1: That's why I always disagreed with the Booker thing, because if you looked at Booker's true shooting percentage, it was right around league average or above league average in all the years he was in Phoenix. And he was playing with some dog shit on those teams. Like <laughs> Josh Jackson sound familiar, which by the way, I was high on Josh Jackson. <laughs> oh, oh, um, sorry. It's the, those athletic wings, you know, they just they get me. Um, Dragon Uh Marquise Chris. Like, I can go on and on with the players Booker has played with, and he was somehow in a league average score, or volume score, but with league average efficiency on bad teams. And I feel the same way about Bradley Beal. If you get him on the Sixers with Joel Embiid, that would be absolutely disgusting. And with the Warriors, it would be absolutely disgusting. If the Heat somehow got him that would be disgusting but i don't know if it's a bit at this point but the heat are very reluctant to include tyler hero in any trade talks um i really uh, do man. think it's a bit at that point at this point <laughs> with the tyler yeah. hero stuff um but bradley beal is just an amazing player and i think he's like i think he could be in the tier of the guards of like a willard or something like that if he was in the right situation that's all
0: yeah, totally with you. I uh, I agree <clears throat> almost entirely.
1: So, oh, you had some uh, Team USA takes to us. Uh, I do. I, I
0: want before we leave because we're we're wrapping up. We're wrapping up here. I do want to talk about Team USA here. So, full
1: context. I didn't watch the USA France game. That's uh, fine. I've watched
0: or... enough for the both of us. No, no one needs to subject themselves <laughs> to what what his. I is did see current. the last few possessions. Um. <sighs> So but... I do want to. I, so obviously, it's very clear that there's a lack of size with the with Team USA, and a lack of playmaking. Uh, playmaking, and continuity. yeah, playmaking, and continuity. Drew Holiday is really their only primary playmaker from the guard spot, and then otherwise, your primary playmaker is Draymond Green and Bam, um, and Bam, which ugh, it's so weird. Anyway. So the main thing that I want to bring up is like and again I might be out of pocket here, so call me out on it if I am. But there's not guys on this team that are like the Draymond is the exception. But I don't I think you need more. Like I don't think Draymond is enough to for personalities of guys that like everyone that's on that team is just like the calm, cool, like collected guys there's no guy that's like the fire where you're like you can see the the like the the fight in them it's just the calm like the calm cool assassin guys and it's like like Durant is that way just temperament wise Booker is that way um Tatum like all of your big star guys that you're expecting to lead this team aren't the types of leaders that we've traditionally seen from team USA that have like been successful in teams Mm. and i don't know if that's affecting them but they do look extremely lethargic and if they come out in these games like they don't care and i don't know if that's a reason why
1: Eh, i can half i halfway agree with the temperament stuff because they do have a lot of uh, cool customers i guess um you know what I mean? I,
0: like, I don't, I don't mean that as a dig, but like, it's just a thing of like, there's a diff, there's a type of fiery personality that you're looking for when you're looking for like a guy to lead these superstars.
1: Yeah. It's, well, I also think, I also think there's not role definition on this team is the main thing. Yeah. Especially when I, when I've watched because I have watched some of the uh, exhibition matches, they're just like Damian Lillard he's a good playmaker right but that's not like his primary skill and I think you could say that for a lot of these guards like they can play make if they're asked to but their main role is to create offense and attract the defense to themselves and then make the play as opposed to being pass first um but everybody note but everybody on that team their role is to be the guy and there's not enough like setup guys like you mentioned um Draymond and Bam are really the only guy and Drew Holiday but um Drew even with Drew Holiday he's still not the traditional point guard in a sense like he's probably the we don't have a table setter is yeah the, the point. table center the table setter like a Chris Paul or LeBron when he decides to just be a table setter or Trey Young Or uh, Trey Young would have been nice on this team, and also size like Miles Turner would be perfect for international play, like a rim protector who can shoot threes and pick and pop. Like I don't know why he didn't get a call, or why Trey Young didn't get a call. Like it's that's why that's why they had to bring Javale McGee. Well, yeah, and
0: to me when when the they had to make replacements. To me, the perfect Lamelo would have been the perfect person to LaMelo, bring up this. That team. is a that
1: is a uh, that's another one I saw mentioned a lot. Lamelo Ball would be really good for this team. Like,
0: this is someone that's just going to push the tempo and set the table. And man, they could they could have did so much with Lamelo.
1: Also, like I love Coach Pop, but like he has to do better. He has to run a better system. And also the sarcastic post game press conference quips aren't as cute and funny when team USA is supposed to be waxing these teams. And I know the world is caught up with USA in terms of talent and stuff like that. Do you hear game's
0: comments after the game? I felt like they were disrespectful. Oh, we was and saying like, like, he feels
1: like players play better when they're representing their country.
0: Yeah. Which is duh. Of course. And plus like, it's not like Evan Fournier is playing like to his maximum potential in the NBA. Because he he's playing within his system and within his role. Like now he's being relied on as the primary scorer. And again, these are professional basketball players. They can play.
1: Yeah. We're yeah, given that, more opportunity to play. That is true. Yeah. Like that's what I'm. So like the world. Why is The, it, the rest of the world is attached. The re- Uh, I could I could see I could see where you're coming from on that. I didn't it didn't come at off like that to me personally. But oh, uh,
0: it came off to me as like a. Oh damn, really? Is water wet too? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, come on, man.
1: I, yeah. Um okay, when you put it like that, I do kind of see I do see what you're saying because yeah, at the end of the day, like like Evan Fournier is probably the best offensive creator on France and that's the role he's asked to play. And uh he's asked to play a different role in Boston. He was asked to be that kind of guy in Orlando and it didn't really work out, but it's the NBA, like yeah. it's different. But when you're on an international team, you've been playing with these guys for a long time. And so you kind of know the nuances and stuff like that of your own teammates. And I don't think Team USA has that. Nor can they afford to not have the big guns like Steph, LeBron. And look, they dropped out. They made their own decision. But, like, gone gone are the days where USA can trot out its B-plus team or its B-team or a team that's not – properly constructed together
0: and think they can walk to the gold like that. those days are gone. I'm, I'm genuinely hoping that they get waxed in this next game and they're out of the tournament. Have an Oh four, have an Oh (laughs) four bronze medal type of thing. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping that they just get waxed and like get whatever. Cause to me, it's, it's, it's just embarrassing. And like, it's got to, I I hope it's the wake up call that we got in four. And then we came out with the redeem team and, (laughs) The Redeem Team was by far. I know the Dream Team's better. I still take the Dream Team in a basketball game. But I had more fun. I've never had more fun watching a team than that Redeem Team. That
1: Redeem Team was fun. I fucking stayed up late into the morning oh my God, to watch why? The, watch those watch those games. Um cuz that incredible. And if you're talking about temperament and leadership, you, that you had you had you know, Jason Kidd, you had Kobe Bryant. Chris Paul was on that team. You got a young LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, all talented, but they were all gravitating towards the one guy. You're learning from Kobe. They were gravitating and towards the one is. guy, and the biggest I that uh that Spain USA game is still one of my favorite. Um, it's one of my favorite Kobe games. Oh, watch. dude,
0: he he came out and put the team on his back. He said, yeah. "Fuck this." When losing. it was
1: when it was getting tight, and you know the the palms got sweaty a little bit. They went and call. You got all these stars on the team of LeBron, D. Wade, Chris Paul, Darren Williams was in there for a little bit. Dwight Howard was there. Really, their only big. guy. They went to the Mamba.
0: They the they went to get Kobe the ball and get yep. out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he so had one of the he had one of uh, the
1: coldest post post shot celebrations after an an one when he hit that three over. Trying to remember who his name was. I forgot the Spain defender's name, but, um, and Kobe hit the three over them, got the foul and just did the, and put the finger to his lips and just, shh, just yeah, like, it's the, so good. Oh just, my and, God. It, it was the most, it was the coldest shit I've ever seen. And I was like rooting for them too. It was getting tight. Spain was getting offensive rebounds. I was like, shit, the size is taking over. And Kobe, and Kobe just, put, said, ah, Kobe just put the team on his back. <laughs> and, all, a team full of all these stars followed one dude with that type of mentality. So it's maybe true, that's
0: the kind of, that's the kind of thing where we don't so have So maybe that that now. that's the Laker
1: Kobe fan in you talking about the uh, temperament. maybe that's where Well, you're
0: it, at. it it also goes to the thing of like in 2012 like Kobe was the guy in oh cuz that was that was his MVP. I think it was No, it wasn't his MVP year, but that was after the 81 was, point yeah, game. That was yeah, that was that like, was uh, that was like I was like prime Kobe. Mhm. And, like, so everyone looked at Kobe, but then, oh, tw- like, 2012 was LeBron coming off the Heat Championship, and that was, like, the big three. And, like, KD everyone was looking at LeBron. That team too. Yeah. And so, like, that was the—so then you, then they you follow LeBron's—like, to me, the Teen USA always takes on the personality of its best player. hmm And so, KD—and, again, it's not a dig on KD. KD has a personality of, like, nonchalant, very casual— very cool, like calm, a quiet competitor. Not a right, yeah. And like, I don't know if that works with like that's the personality that this team has taken on. And the talent level has gotten so high in international basketball that you can't really come out flat like that, yeah. And like, not perform, and yeah. like that's the personality they have with this team, and it's it's concerning. Um,
1: yeah. For I, I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if um they wax if they yeah if they bow out early but i also think they're at the same time i just think they if they just get a couple games together they'll be i wouldn't say they'll be fine though they're not gonna play they're not gonna keep playing this janky is what i'll is what i'll say i don't think they're gonna keep playing this janky i mean if you look at it um they scored what like 76 points yesterday or 72 or something like that like Your i do was the leading i'm sorry who Drew Holiday. Yeah, Drew. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna. I don't think that's gonna happen too often. I also think they're gonna. They need to get used to. Um, they're still trying to acclimate to how physical international play
0: is. And God sure. damn, and I, I wish the, say, NBA ado- the NBA will just adapt NBA, some of these damn FIBA dude, rules already. FIBA, FIBA refs need to ref the NBA because it's so satisfying to see. Dame and like some of the other guys run into another guy and look up at the ref for a call. And they're just like, no, Luca
1: did the same shit yesterday. He tried to do like the uh, pump fake defender jumps and he jumped three feet to the, to the left to try to get the foul. And the ref just didn't call anything. (laughs) Just look, there's going to be generations younger than us. They enjoy the scoring and all that stuff. And I'm not going to sit here and say that like I'm an old school guy who likes the the way the 90s and the 80s were played like it's football. I think the mid I think the early 2000s and mid 2000s kind of into the late 2000s was I wouldn't say the best combination of how offense was officiated, but like the jumping 3 feet in any direction into a defender after a pump fake or the Trey Young grifting, and look, I'm a fan that has Joel Embiid on the team. He does grift to some, he does grift to some fouls. I do think some of that needs to be legislated out, and also the way the game is called on the defensive end, like with the minimal contact fouls, I think that shit needs to stop too. Because there were, like, you'll see in international games, a guy will try to drive by a defender, but the defender will actually be allowed to slide his feet. And if he beats the the and if he beats the ball handler to the spot and the ball handler runs into the defender, guess what? A foul's not called. <laughs> like, yeah, just stuff like that. I'm not talking about going back to the '90s or whatever, but the way fouls are called now is kind of. I do agree; it's gotten a little bit overboard. Like when KD started doing the swing through and Phil Jackson was calling that move bullshit. Um, I thought it was actually. I thought it was actually creative and novel. I thought the way Harden was drawing fouls, even though people hate it, I thought there was a genius to it because Harden would actually do the swing through where he's driving through the basket and gets his arms tangled up in a defender's arm. I mean, like I think it's it's disgusting, but it's like in a
0: good way. It's disgusting.
1: The Trey Young, the Trey Young, like stop and and stick out his ass on a trailing defender and stuff like that, like or the pump fake jump into the side of the defender and then release the
0: shot. Like I just, I think it's that type of shit that needs to stop. I mean, well, the NBA said that they're going to go and readjust. I know. NBA yeah. Thank, so thank, the good we'll Lord. see how it turns out. I I have faith that they'll correct it, but seeing, seeing international basketball being called this way has been such a breath of fresh air. It makes me yep. very sad of what we have in the current NBA. So, yep. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think we've covered a lot today.
1: The... Yeah, we did. An hour and a half. Hell yeah! It's been a while. Feels good though. Get back into the swing. Feels good to be back. And the thing is, like, it's a twelve. It's a twelve-month sport. Um. So there's always going to be stuff to talk about. But uh, you know. Oh yeah, we're,
0: st- we're you're not you're not missing out. We're still coming back. We're doing yeah, more. We're, we're, still we're doing coming
1: all that. back. And also, I and also, uh, I know we've workshopped this before in jest, but um, I will be starting Prince of Tennis soon. So. oh baby so if you if you want to do some or watch-alongs let's go watch-alongs or do like a break a recap in the podcast for the offseason i'll be yeah for the i'll be down for that also um but i will be starting prince of tennis soon once i get a i'm gonna get a few more shows wrapped up um still need to hell yeah watch still need to finish the wire I have a few more episodes left of Avatar. I've been really slow playing Avatar because uh, I don't want that show to end. Um, yeah, it's so good. And um, I still need to watch. I need to watch Loki now that all the episodes are out. Uh, I've been. Oh, slow. you're one of those. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I could. Well, with it with this show, for some reason, yes. Or with the with the Marvel shows, yes. But uh, we'll be we start. I'll be starting Prince of Tennis. That is on the list.
0: So. I'm into it. So for context that's my one of my favorite anime shows of all time and uh it's sort of the pre it's like the grandfather precursor of a lot of like modern day sports anime.
1: Mm-hmm. So I
0: was telling Jordan about it and uh he he needs to watch it because again we, we all enjoy sports here, we enjoy sports anime and uh you know if you in like anime sports anime you got to you got to it's like going back and watching old footage of players you've never seen before. You know you got to go back and you got to appreciate the history, right? Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: That's why watching Slam Dunk was so jarring to just uh, to see. It, it, brought, to it brought flashbacks of when I was a kid watching Toonami and stuff uh, like that. That's... When Toonami would always have their anime blocks for like three hours. It's just the, the drawing, the shading, and all that. So the actual <laughs> art style as opposed to like modern anime now where it's more sleeker for right. better animation and stuff. Well, it's
0: funny because it, Prince of Tennis ran so long that you could see the shift in like mid-show. Like it's, Seasons will pop up and you're like, oh, this looks newer.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: I I do love going back and watching old shows. It so. should be fun. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll leave you guys with that and uh, something to look forward to. And uh, thanks, guys, for listening. We'll see you guys next time. The B.O.B. Wank
1: wank 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 wank